most of our employees, I think the we've gotten them when we started at 18. When they, they were 18. 18 and, and they- we've kept 90% of them. Welcome to All Things Wood Floor, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. I'm your host, Steve Diggins, team leader with Wood Pro, a division of Horizon Forest Products, and writer and technical editor for Wood Floor Business Magazine. Wood Floor Business for the Wood Floor Brilliant, baby. Sitting down with me today, Beth and Steve Stalker of Stalker Sports Floors. Stalkers are going to share with us their decades of experience as sports floor experts in the greater Wisconsin area. Beth's going to tell us about her roots as an artist and how her and Steve uh, keep their extremely successful sport floor business thriving. It's a whole other side of the business that we don't even get to talk about too often, so crank it up and feel free to hit that download button. Wood Floor Business and All Things Wood Floor welcomes Beth and Steve Stalker of Stalker Sports Floors, New London, Wisconsin. Floor pros around the world, come sing it with me. Let's get to it. Beth Stalker, Stephen Stalker, welcome to All Things Wood Floor. Thank you. You're in New London, Wisconsin? Correct. Or is it New Dublin? I get them confused. They are the same. (laughs) They are. Because you have, like Boston, you have your Irish festival, I assume? Yes. At one point, it was on record of being the sixth largest St. Paddy's Day parade in the United States. That's awesome. My my family's from uh, County Kerry. Uh, my great grandmother had the brogue, and they celebrated it every year. And you know, every city's got it. Down in Tampa, they got the Gasparilla Parade. Boston has their eyes festival. I looked online; it said uh, you guys have a big old party once a year. We do. Yeah, but they don't have a cabbage chucker there, do they? No, no they don't have a cabbage chucker. <laughs> I think if we made cabbage, my dad would have chucked it anyway. I think they had enough <laughs> back at the mother country. Did you? Are you both um, Wisconsin Titans? Yes, we Wisconsin our whole lives. Yeah, yep. so you have to be Packers fans. Correct. Yeah, we we own them. Yeah, we're all yes, kids. you do. <laughs> Listen, we're we're New England Patriots fans, but when we were kids, there was you were a Packers fan or a Giants fan. There was no New England Patriots. So my oh. brother to this day won't root for the Patriots. You know, he won't even glom onto the Super Bowl rings. So we still hung in there. So we still <laughs> cheer for him. And I'm still lamenting the Drew Bledsoe. Brett Favre Super Bowl where you crushed the living tar out of us. It, yeah. You can't. <laughs> other than the helmet catch, you can't wipe that stuff out. Right. No. Do you both know? Um, we, I went over some of the podcasts that we had done prior, and um, we had Paul Nelson and Mike Hoy, and I think you know both those guys. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Because they religiously post their Packer stuff and the places they visit, and they throw you guys in there. All the, you guys are photobombing <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, Beth, you're my first Mike victim. Because Detroit's finally winning. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right, so Beth, you're my first victim. You're an artist. Tell me a little, little bit about that, and then can you tie it into flooring? Yes, yeah, so um, I just have a natural talent and I do have a bachelor's degree in fine art and uh, started uh, doing gym floors uh, in high school and kept doing it through college and uh, took one of my professors to convince me that it was a, a good profession and that it was a good good use of my talents and uh, so it was kind of fun. When we were, um, I was doing floors, I, I would donate like to my high school but i'd cop out and they said why don't you have the art class have a contest and whatever kid wins would let him pick i didn't want to paint the thing because you can't vinyl everything can you as we've learned 
Right. So how did that, and that transition from there into when did you get abducted into using it for flooring? Once she started dating me. <laughs> See, it's always one of us guys. Yeah. Steve, how did Steve, how did you get in? You're, you're, that's a whole family thing, right? Your family's been in Florida. Yeah, my dad started, um, you know, wood floors way back when I was a baby. Um, and, you know, the 80s was a different, 70s and 80s. He called, worked. They called it stalker and sons sanding back then. Back then. My dad started, my dad actually started in the chemical sales business um, and then just started sanding a couple floors here or there. You know, back in the day, if you sanded five or six gyms a year back then, because it was all with one walker, two walkers, that was a lot. You know, we now do that in a week. Yeah, that's, I think a lot of floor guys don't understand when you say walker I and mean, you're just behind, you get as many buddies as you have that have a sander because you didn't have riders or whatever they call them to this day. What, how right. did they drag you into this? You, you, were you, where were you, where were you when you said, I think I'll do a couple floors for the weekend? He, Steve just did it his whole life. That's it. It was, yeah. yeah. Just an everyday thing. Every time there was a gym, Steve was on it. It was always yeah. sports floor? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, how I got to start sanding so early is that one day my dad walked in and tried to figure out how my older brother, who's nine years older than me, got so much done on a gym one day. And that, and caught me putting a bag on a sander sanding at 10. There you go. It, well, the first gym I ever did, uh, my kids stopped by with my wife to look and I look over, they're sitting on the floor racking. They were copying the other guys and the guys kind of adopted them and said, okay, they were teaching them how to rack. And I'm standing yeah. over them with a big giant video camera going, yeah, don't get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from flooring. Um, so is uh, Stalker Sports Floors obviously strictly uh, sports-related flooring systems? Correct. No way. Yeah. Well, explain that because I know in our area – you, the gyms I got were by Locker. I knew somebody because they're locked up. You either have Danaher in Vermont or you have O'Sullivan in Boston, and they run into each other. They they have a little border war they got. And even if you tried to get a gymnasium, they're pretty proprietary. Is that the same in your area? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a lot of good competitors in our area. Um, you know, it just like everything else, you got to work hard to be successful. And the biggest thing, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and you got to create your niche, which all of us have our niche. Um, and you know, we're, we have been extremely fortunate to have great employees. Yeah. Especially now, right? It's very difficult. Most of our employees, I think the, we've gotten them when we started at 18. When they, they were 18, 18 and they... we've kept 90% of them. Yeah, I've offered to teach at um, Votech schools and that just if they want somebody to come talk about the flooring section, because all of us wound up in some type of construction and, you know, glommed onto some floor person to learn it. And yeah. you don't typically learn it other than trial and error. And when you get a little good, guess what? Go start your own company. Well, um, the toughest part of this world is it's not easy to start your own company, but we also try to make our guys, you know, feel part of the family um we pay them extremely well um and we do things you know outside we, of them no, we try to be creative to keep them you know um, we have a you get we get everybody basically votes on a trip a year oh that's so we good took, we took the whole company on a trip in november so where was that one vegas oh, yeah, i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> well, 
you know, so we have in Wisconsin called water parks. Okay. So last year we went to Kalahari water park where they brought their whole families. Um, the year before that was Vegas also. Yeah. Um, you know, and they've already voted on, you know, a couple of them already had said they want to go back to Vegas again, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. We, we, I got, I got a secret plan. That sounds good. That may, uh, if it weren't for flooring, I'd try to retire. I don't think you can retire from flooring. And my wife and I, the kids are up. They're out. What do we do? We found this little thing called gambling. Now they just weeks ago opened a casino in New Hampshire. Now there's, I'm not joking with you. There must be seven of them. And we have right. Encore Boston. And then people talk about these. Well, now we're interested in these Vegas trips. So if you need a line for you, I'll come up. Okay. We'll, we'll trade. <laughs> we'll trade. I, it, that brings up a question. It, I, coming through the ranks myself and now being a distributor, I know where my customers get this stuff. We don't know about you people. You live in caves somewhere. Where do you where do you go get all your material? Because I noticed you also have your own design on your subfloor system. It's not like Action Floor or one of the five proprietary things. It looks like you design and implement your own. Is that correct? No. Um, so that so one of the systems that we put in probably over six million plus square feet of is a system called the scissor lock. Okay. Um, it was developed by a guy named William Betcher out of Chicago. You know, only bad thing about it, you know, I was a bear fan. Um, and that was in the 1920s. Um, it was back, brought back um, in the early 1980s by Connors. Yeah. Um, and they brought in foam instead of hot tar. Um so, and then the new system um, we brought in with um, uh, Mission Emotions um, and with Acer, and that's called the Acer um, V-Hex, which is now instead of using foam, we're using a special pad that is for a little more shock absorption, a little less vibration, um, you know, and... We still get the great ball rebound that you get on the scissor lock. You still get the great rolling load. You know, usually when you give up, when you get more shock, you give up rolling load and ball bounce. Um, in this system, we don't. Uh, the You know, the very first one we ever did, we decided to just, it was um, a YMCA. So all they cared about was somebody get in here, give us a gym, because we have, you know, the police rent it, the local people rent it. It's, it costs them a fortune. Well, we got this thing. We copied what was there. It was like four layers of roofing paper and then screeds with the rubber thrush pads on them, kind of staggered, 12 inch on center, and we nailed everything in. And we got probably 40 feet off the wall, and the athletic director showed up, and he threw us a basketball, and we dribbled it, and it died. Yep. I had a panic attack. My partner looked at me. He turned white, and we heard the athletic director go, hey, not that ball, hold on. And he threw us another ball. We thought we, we must have just destroyed it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, 8,000 feet in front of us. Look, we got a gym. And we followed everything in the book. It's, it's scary. That's a lot of wood to keep from moving, et cetera. Is there a difference between uh, when you're working it out, high school, college, recreational? Uh, is it just the lining, the installation the same, or is the installation different? Well, um, most, if it's a permanent floor, um, they're, you know, most of the systems are somewhat the same. There's, you know, more than 60 different types of floor systems. Okay. And everybody's coming out with different ones to, to pass, you know, DIN, um, pure, pure um, different athletic requirements. Um, you know, so, you know, each, you know, believe it or not, some colleges want hard fast floors because that makes them faster 
Um, you know, we always hear from people, well, we don't need a very good floor for our kindergarten, you know, our youth, our elementaries. That's actually where you need the better performance floors because the joints are the physicality you know, developing and the kids need it. And, you know, when we go and sell a project, we sit down, talk with the architect, mostly the owner. Um, most of our projects are owner direct. Um, and you try to work with both the architect and the owner about what's best for their district. Um, you know, one of the reasons we like the Sizzlock is so much, is, like we said, we started in the sanding and finishing. The one thing that we found is wherever the Sizzlock was put in, HS were still holding up. They were there. You know, it goes to the, you know, the old fixed sleepers attitude. You know, an old fixed sleeper never ever failed. If you did it properly. So one sleeper system lays out vertical, one lays horizontal. And then is there a third that's on a diagonal? Is that what the scissor is? No, our, the scissor lock's on a diagonal. The scissor's on a diagonal. Bottom, they're yeah. both on diagonals. Yeah, both on the bottom layer and top layer. Then when the, the wood grows, it uh, has a scissor look to it. So it grows to towards the expanding yeah. parts of the wood. So when the wood expands, the subfloor expands. The Subfloor expands with it. Basically, the subfloor and the maple work together, unlike a plywood system where plywood and, and um, maple actually fight each other. Yeah, you go and you do an inspection, you see these big gaps, and they're exactly 48 inches apart. And you try to explain, okay, we got a subfloor system issue here. The, the, the subsystem that you use, that's never fastened to the concrete, right? It, it's floating. Um, there's one coming out this system. There is one coming out that will be. Possibly, but um, this system, what's unique about this system is it's all wood. So if, you know, it ever expands and buckles, if once you bring that humidity back down, it will go back flat. We actually had a project um, in Southern Illinois where the HVC system was on reverse. So when it was supposed to be calling for dehumidification, it was adding humidity into the room. Oh, you mean it's only first uh, by accident? Yes. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. And so the floor buckled 40 feet wide, 110 foot, over a foot and a half in the air. Wow. Um, we went in, you know, figured out what was happening with the uh, HVC client. He was all paranoid and already had called his insurance company to replace the floor. And we said, once we contr slowly control the humidity, the floor will go back flat. And it did. The only thing we had to do is touch up a little bit of paint where the thresholds were. That's great. So that's got to come down to uh, a lot of uh, prep, and I'm I'm assuming this all starts with the concrete. Are these typically is it mixed? You get existing, and then or do you get brand new? Or is it just different every time? We get. Um, I would say seventy percent of all of our projects are um, existing slabs. Okay. Um, the other thirty is new. Um, you know, so, you know, it comes down to when you look at the concrete is you got to check it for levelness. That's number one. Okay. Um, you know, as we tell everybody of our employees, we're not here to make the general happy. We're here to make sure that the floor is flat. Eighth and 10, so, but you actually, you, you shoot. No one, a lot of people don't go after that. They just know the rules and they break it. But we're talking about a gym floor and a lot of money. So is that what you set out? Well, it must be nice that the concrete's there. Then, yep. then how do you spot the low spots or the, uh, there must be high spots, low spots. So what we do is we take, you know, and this is real um, old age, but we take a 10 foot pipe or 10 foot straight edge. 
and you roll it down the floor, mm-hmm. marking the highs and lows. You move it over five feet, keep doing that, and you do that both directions of the concrete slab. The reason that we use the pipe or the straight edge is because we can look at that whole 10 feet, where if you use a laser or you use um, FM numbers, Mm -hmm. FM numbers is basically a machine that just flip flops. It doesn't tell you anything in between. This tells us anything in between. Um, And we tell our guys, I like eighth inch better than eighth or plus or minus an eighth inch because I ain't the guy who has to fix the concrete. you know, where we see most of the issues is when saw cuts are made in the concrete. Because now what happens is the concrete dries, the concrete, the saws end up curling. Okay. So that's where they need to grind. Um, you know, so we look at that. We look at how rough the slab is, things like that. Um, you know, once, once that slab is checked and we accept it, it's now our slab. Exactly, right? You own it. Yeah. Anything. We own it, so everything, all everything starts from the slab up. And the other thing is by going in checking it the way we check it. Um, you know, generals know that don't even bother calling us if they think there's a problem with the slab. So what's you know, the leveling okay. when you actually find, let's say, a lower area and you got a you rolling your pipe out and you get a check at it? What are you leveling it with? More concrete, gypcrete leveler? What are you using? So it depends on what type of floor is and how it's done. So give you an example, if it is a brand new floor, they're bringing in a latex concrete, self-leveling it or grinding it. Um, if it's a floor that has had old asbestos and glue in it, Ooh. the problem is not all that glue gets out of the slab. Okay. So you can't get it all out. So you really shouldn't grind it okay. or do anything like that. So what we do is we come in with roll roofing to help level it off. If we can't, then we have the abatement company actually grind those areas. Is it um, something that's a safety and health issue with that? I mean, how do you identify that there's asbestos? You just go by a date range, or do you know it's in there? No, um, we have a very, very strong policy. You see black or brown, it has it to get tested. Okay. Just test it. Test yep. everything. Uh, we, you know, almost any floor that's going to get removed by us, we have everything tested. Um, it's testing, A, doesn't cost me any money. Doesn't cost, you know, anybody money. money. But however, you open that floor, um, we have had several projects where we've gone in, had to replace the floor, and here they had already torn out part of an old asbestos floor. So So now the school's got to get shut down. Do you have to have a certified abatement company come in? Yes. Mm -hmm. you got to have an abatement company. Um, And then, you know, that usually is about 14 days before that gets figured out. So, you know, we have, you know, we have a pretty much strict rule that we have everything checked. Um, it's the same thing about synthetic floors. A lot of people don't know that there can be mercury in synthetic floors. That's not good. Um, and while in 1984, they were supposed to have an agreement about no more mercury, we just found one in 12, or 2012. Where did that come? Where does it come from? It's part of the binding agent it is. into the product. Yep. Ouch. And you can actually get VCT tile now that will have asbestos in it. This is well, we've had this problem in this area a few years ago. They decided to do testing for 
all sorts of lead, et cetera. And then the, the rules got changed. We tried to have seminars and no one would teach them because they were changing them by the day. And by the end, you needed an entire hazmat system, a new van, new equipment, <laughs> throw it all away when you got done and start over again with a new business. It got to be absolutely ridiculous. Every time. Yeah. Well, we've just had a project um, that uh, was an insurance project. I walked in and they were drying and I told them, you know, there's two reasons they had a, one on this one project, they had to stop drying because I said, no matter what the floor is getting replaced, we can't sand it because that has lead paint yep. and lead in the finish. And they're like, no, 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 there's no possible way. And I, you know, and they had one person test it and he goes, yeah, we don't know how to get rid of it. It's got, so you got to know what you're looking at. You just can't go in and said, because if you went and sanded that floor with lead, first of all, it's really bad for your employees. Yes, it is. Um, second of all, it's extremely bad if you're in a grade school because you'll be cleaning and paying for cleaning that you never, ever want, you know, and it happens. And sometimes it happens because we've seen, you know, um, one shot paint had it in its product until 1990s. Correct. But it's not enough to cause an issue. Well, I heard but the we old issues in the fifties and sixties. They had it quite a bit. We had an issue. I did a floor, old New England, hundred fifty year old houses, whatever, and uh, we had respirators, everything. And later in the job, both my guys were reporting that their lips were numb and their tongue were numb. And they, well, we sent them down to get tested, and they had lead poisoning. So we had to shut that project down. It was in a monastery. But what we learned was, they said with. Small children, it can be devastating, and with adults, it will make them severely ill. So, yeah, you get, yeah. you can't. Can you, if it's there, can you do something about layers and barriers? Go over it and, and move on, or does it all have to be abated? What do you do? We tell everybody to abate it. Okay. I'm not gonna. I don't play games with it. If I know it's there, Smart. we just don't play games. We make it the abatement company's issue. Um, you know. Um, and this one, basically, they replaced the floor because abating it was more expensive than the wood floor. Let me back up a bit. Where does the design element come in from the beginning? Does the um, the institution say, here's what we want, here's our floor, here's what we want to look like? We have a designer or Beth, do you design that? Or where does the, the actual wood, the flooring, the implementation, and then the graphic artwork come in? So I work with um, the district or... or uh you know, the, the project. So sometimes I work with the architect, sometimes I'm working with a superintendent or an athletic director or principal. Um, sometimes I'm working with the art department at the school or like the, the media department at uh, a college or something. So you, I mean, there's a lot of different channels to figure out who's making the decision on what the graphics are going to look like. Um, so it, it's a process. Sometimes it takes back and forth meetings for a while before they decide on what they really want. Is it always two and a quarter strip maple or is it something different? Or? Well, that comes down to, you know, specifications. It comes down to what's, you know, right now it comes down more and more and more. What's available right now? Sure. Is inch and a half available? Is two and a quarter available? What um, grade? What grade is available? That's number one. Um, figuring out what the owner wants. Some want inch and a half because they like the way it expands and contracts. Um, we prefer to install inch and a half personally. Okay. Because of our wide range of expansion contraction in the state of Wisconsin. Um, others want two and a quarter. So, you know, that comes to when you're talking with the owner right off the bat, the architect. Um, 
sometimes the mill saying, you know, what is the availability of inch and a half? You know, um, inch and a half now is more and more of a byproduct than a milling product. Um, and sometimes we have people who want a whiter, clear floor, other people who like the rustic look. Um, you know, some of the smaller school districts maybe are in the North Woods, so they want that rustic look. Where others are collegiate places or or high end places, and they want you know the best of the best. And you know, we try to cater to whoever, whatever decision they make. I've seen uh, select, select better. Or sorry, in in Maple Easter, it's probably first grade. First, first grade. First yeah. in the centers. And common from the out of bounds under the bleachers. Correct. By the way, I tell people yeah. when you go to a basketball game, look under the bleachers, see what you tell me you see. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> four feet of piled up junk. <laughs> well, and we always get that. Oh, you can use third grade underneath the bleachers. And it's like, okay, it's not worth having third grade and have no. a possibility they get mixed in. Yeah. No. So if it's a second and better, we do second and better throughout the whole floor. We don't do, but we know we have one, you know, a lot of projects where we'll do first grade in the center wall to wall because a lot of people stop it right in the middle and if it's a ten thousand foot floor you know 100 foot long you might as well finish the rest of the floor so that you can use the cut whiteness of the wood in the lettering in things the design, like that design yeah. and then do third grade in the outside um you know and people used to do that for the cost savings sure. you know now people are doing it for the design is, you know, Acer still, uh, is Acer still uh, an entity? So um, a company, Acer was purchased by a company called Affinity. Okay. And it's now called Acer Wood Flooring by Affinity. Okay. Um, you know, they're Infinity. great. Infinity. Yeah, Infinity. Infinity. Great company. Um, you know, ex-Wood guys. Um, I've known all their owners for quite a few years. Um, and it's been a really great relationship with us. Love their milling. You know, next to, you know, Acer, they have the same great milling that Acer had. So, so we get more sanding jobs out of their wood than we would out of other mills. The grading process, now we're, with what you're involved in, typically we would be talking the MFMA, which you could Correct. do a million podcasts and no one's going to talk about it. Tell me about the MFMA. Well, the MFMA, um, I think, well, A, we're a member. Um, the MFMA is an association that's basically helped there that we call our governing body for maple wood flooring um they help people you know they'll go into the what makes them different than everybody else they'll walk into any mfma mill and they will say pull down this pallet pull down this pallet and they'll check it for grading so they're always checking their mills for grading um and so you know in the mfma you got first grade second and better third and better third grade those are the four major use um and then they are also the owners meaning the whoever yeah. the, the um owners of the basketball court if there's issues there's somebody that they call to do inspections on and kind of govern what is said you know they check for dead spots they'll check for expansion you know whether or not the flow is put in the right moisture content things like that so they're a really great organization they also help flooring people on we you know we call it you know um you know they have different outcomes of you know like saying why not to use tape 
Okay. Position, what, statement. position statements. What tape will do to finish? You know, all tape pulls finish. Sure. No matter what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, why? What happens when you stain maple? So the maple, you know, it's Maple Flooring Manufacturers Association. Association. Are they part of NAFMA and and NWFA now? Are they still their own thing? They're still their own. Uh, we are only members of MFMA because you know it covers the gym floors. Um, you know, we see NAFA on the specifications quite a bit um, from, you know, along with MFMA, but, you know, they don't really govern anything because they're talking about select and better, not first grade, not second and better. You know, most maple for gym floors come from Wisconsin, northern Michigan, um, and that's because of the hardness of the maple and the growing seasons. People think it comes from Canada. It doesn't come from Canada. Well, there's quite a few that come from Canada. Um, but they're not MFA males. No, I know as a distributor, um, like I said, if we got a gym, which is what's super rare, for years you wouldn't get one anyway because we don't sell MFMA approved products, of which we used to do mill inspections. There were five, maybe there's four. There's not a lot of them, and they have to be approved. No. So, And then you have to be somebody that has been around long enough to be able to purchase from them or a distributor that sells that. And as a distributor, if I even have MFMA, I can't sell it to everybody off the street. It has to go to gym certified people. Right. right. And and they do the certification and they do the training for all of those dealers. Hey, you're not dealing with a living room. You're dealing with 8,000, 9,000, whatever thousand feet. that, are, and, and as we all know, that stuff wants to move from the day you start putting it down. So the design, engineering, the work, the layout, everything at that point, once you've even got the material and you're ready to move. Now, it's not uh, 23, 30 seconds. It's not three quarters of an inch that you're putting down. 25, 30 seconds or 33, 30, 30, seconds. 30 seconds. And then back in the 70, 60s and 70s, there's a product called 27, 30 seconds. They move, and the tongue is moved down lower, so you get a larger surface no, area. The tongue is actually the same. It is the same. Okay. Yeah. So 25, 30 seconds, and, you know, it's a different tongue than 27, 30 seconds. Right. And that actually, the 20, most of the 27, 30 seconds didn't have a tongue. It had just a groove. And you actually put a piece of spine. metal spine in there. Oh, so you, I'm, I'm guessing then for the work that you do, you're starting in the middle of a gymnasium. Correct. Everything's starting. 99% of the time, yes. Yeah, I can see and that. And then we nail both directions. Yeah, yep. so you start with a center, you plumb the baskets, um, you know, and we, you know, everything is expectations when you're talking with architects, owners, general contractors, because um, you're going off of backboards. Yes. Okay. If the backboard isn't square, the hoop isn't where it needs to be, and the gym is out of code. Now tell me, yeah. tell people that's important. If you're refing uh, junior high game, it's one thing. High school, college, you could lose your whole season over something as dumb as that. Correct. <laughs> so what we do is we tell me. you know we explain to them that backboard people are never going to you know be a hundred percent perfect. Okay, so we plumb the baskets. Plumbing the baskets, you basically take a laser and that you do a plumb bob off of it, and you mark that and you measure to each wall from each side. You know, it's more important for you to be, look square than be square. Correct. So we want we want the lines to match up with our wood. So we want the baskets to be up first, and then we start the wood based on where the baskets are, Correct. rather than where the wall is, because the wall may or may not be straight. 
That gives you your exact got... center point, right? Once you get the hoops, uh, now yeah. you've got a total. You can three, four, five off of any part of that. You can make everything else square, which it probably you Correct. could make brilliantly square. Correct. I see a gym. We run in. If it's an original gym, we'll run in. We'll take a drill and drill every corner first because they want it put back exactly where it is, and then we Correct. check the hoops. You go in any place, look under the hoop, and you'll find a nail hole or putty or something. Yep. Right. Pray to God <laughs> same, you find same, same thing at the uh, free throw line. Yeah. Yes. You know. is a, so when you're when you, before all that setup though, you probably got um, purchasing and delivery issues. You got to get all that material, get it priced out. It's got to be uh, right in line with the bidding that you're working on. And then how do you get it to the job site and get all that in there? And it's not just the concrete you're talking about; it's the exterior. Uh, I've seen gyms where we're working and half a wall isn't even built yet. And New Hampshire's a lot like Wisconsin. It's almost identical. How do you get that process set up so that you can get things acclimated? Well, first of all, I never, ever trust generals that they're totally enclosed. Right. That's the first thing. Um, and most generals, after they get used to you as a company, they know not to call me unless everything's ready. Good. You know, we're doing one right now. The general goes... You know, if I didn't, you know, they said, oh, when are you going to get the HVC ready? The general goes, well, he wouldn't be coming if I didn't have it 10 days ago. Right. He goes, we already know that. So we're, we don't, you know, we know what our issues are. So you have to go in and check the project before they're ready. Um, sending out letters, communication with the people. They don't want you to come when it's not ready. No general wants a problem. And if you're strict on it and if you keep them notified you know we just got one general who says he loves working with us but his people hate us yeah and then he goes that's because i'm always calling them every week to find out where their schedule is so they call us prima donna floor guys everybody hates us because yeah. we're yeah. the only ones yeah. that can come in and say get out right now yeah. whoever you are leave we have work to do but but there were a lot of times at the end of a project and if they're behind they think we're behind but we just started so we're not necessarily behind yeah. and the biggest thing is when we communicate with the owner you got to do this is you need to be totally enclosed that means yes the roof has to be on absolutely and the doors hvc system has to be running as best as possible now with today's world of hvc a lot of them aren't getting air conditioning or anything like that in and for their way back so you work we set up with the general how to do temporary how to keep it um one of the things that we do to protect ourselves is put a hobo reader in like data loggers yeah so that kind of keeps the general honest and they know it so you know, and they want the job to do goods or have turn out well because any problems they're, you know, even though we put it in, they're still having to deal with it. So it's communicating with them, explaining to them how to control humidity one way or the other. You know, one job we just brought in, um, misters to create humidity because we're down at 18% relative humidity. Sure. So we brought in many misters to create more humidity in the room. Um, now we don't leave that on over the weekend because it could be a total mess. Um, so we're planning going in Monday, racking out more wood because we have to recreate new humidity in there. So other times we're, even though they have air conditioning and that's the biggest issue out there is everybody thinks air conditioning removes relative humidity and it does not. Thank you. It removes absolute humidity, which is what, how the temperature and the absolute humidity is how you get relative. So the biggest thing when we talk to owners is, okay, do, do you have a chiller on it? Do you have a dehumidification system with that? If not, we actually don't want the 
you know, if we have our in the air conditioned, we have them bring in dehumidifiers, control humidity. Because in our area, we want to be between 35 and 50, most likely 30. But we also know, that's why we like the system we put in. We also know, realistically, in Wisconsin, this time of year, you're in the 12 to 18%. During July, you're in the 60, 65%. So you got to build that intermediate expansion in. And we see a lot of people who do it, like you said, every four feet. I don't know what the intermediate expansion is going to be until we start installing. We used to love issues, yep. not just the environmental issue. You just, you're still the life of that floor interested in what that slab is doing. People don't think that, you know, oh, it's concrete. It's done. It's done. It breathes yeah. like wood. If you heat stone and then let it cool, it'll create water. That's how pioneers survived in the desert. Make a fire, put rocks in it, let it cool all night. They'd have a bag of water. Do you, yeah. are you testing and how much do you test and then are you implementing little data loggers like they do now is that the new thing so we do put um um i don't mean to plug anybody we use wagner's i have one in my office i like this yeah we drill the hole in test it um a lot of places are doing third party now you know data loggers um we test it we usually go into a gym and we'll put four of them in are they permanent Yes. Can you get a reading off of those well we after do, the floors? We in? could do. You you could do um, Wi-Fi in them. They have Wi-Fi, but you know we actually do four, um, and we are on the. You know, we do one fail, all fail. Okay. So if we got three of them at eight, under eighty-five, and one at ninety, the ninety is the one we look at. Is there, one chance, fail, is there any chance that the, and I saw this in a racquetball court that well, this is why I'm asking um, they had all these racquetball courts and one came up like four feet like you said and we found that there was a even though it was a very old concrete slab there was a spring runner running under there and when the runoff came just that time of year in just that court it would go underneath there blow the thing out and go back out and they kept putting floors over it and not addressing the situation you could still have so, concrete problems problem is is okay all your vapor retarders, and that's a key word, even a 99% RH retarder, okay? It's vapor, not water. Right, okay? there's a permeance. If you have a spring like that, that's actually standing water. Okay. So no, we you know the vapor barrier isn't going to protect you from that. Now we have done some different, um, you know, we had a project um, that when we pulled up the floor, I said, this isn't, water damaged water this is something else something else um so um the architect got very upset with me the owner got very upset with me and they said fine we'll do the core drill you want done mm -hmm. and they called up and said we're able to make snowballs out of the clay underneath the floor so what they had is they didn't know they had rain that somebody cut off in the city underneath the gym oh and then they found that so we put in basically a pull tarp okay um, you know, it was about $3, $4 a foot plus then we put our vapor barrier on and have had no issues in the last 10 years. Is a chemical sealer on concrete not a, typically a good idea? No, there are some that are really good out there. Um, you know, depends on, you know, what your use of it is. Um, you know, so we use it, especially if it's got asbestos, we're removing asbestos, we'll use a chemical. Um, the thing is that the flooring manufacturers won't necessarily warranty that. Correct. 
Um, so we do that, and then we do the flooring manufacturers paper barrier also. There's no um, underlayment or barriers or layers in the framing and the flooring portion. It's all underneath all the subsystems. There's nothing that drapes right. over everything, right? You're now you got no. wood on wood on wood. Okay, so right. so the, you have a vapor barrier, hopefully underneath the concrete slab, and then one on top of the concrete slab, and, and then, then you start your athletic floor system from there. Okay, and then I I'm I'm just guessing cleats, not staples. Is that typically? Yeah, we don't. We staple the subfloor. Okay. To each other. To each other, and then we use flooring cleats. Um, staples actually hold way too tight. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I used my whole career until I realized it was holding things too tight. Yeah, you ever see, like you say, you see that floor, you know, that expansion roll, we called it. We used to call it a washer roll. The reason we used to the call it a washer roll, yeah. we actually use washers to make the, make the, um, the expansion. expansion. Yeah, my kids used to have yeah. to yank them out with pliers until yeah. somebody <laughs> said, hey, we got a thing called weed whacker string. And I'm like, you got to be kidding oh, me. We, we got even fancier. We actually had made metal strips that we thought we were really fancy. Even better. And then, and then we found out, oh, wait, you can use this $9 weed whacker line later. Yeah. You know. Went back to that. Went yeah. back to that. So um, it's... You know, so if you see those open, but the floor is cupped, it means that they staple the floor. Absolutely. Well, you, I've seen where we've put them in every five feet, put our first two coats of water-based finish, and the gaps are gone. And then the next yeah. day you come in to do your taping and your lining, the gaps are back. That stuff moves when you have that much material. Are you using yeah. – you're not throwing the wood down from the center out. I assume that maybe you're racking so that you get a little additional acclimation once you're opening all the bundles. Yeah, so, you know, the key thing is we do rack out in front of us, uh, check the moisture. Our guys will check it about 15, 20 times a day, Okay. you know, each spot, figure out what the average is. And, like, in this area, if we're in that 7 to 8%, you know, especially this time of year, that's where we want to put it in. Um, you know, we don't usually go over 9% at all. Uh, Southern Illinois, if we're installing there, we could be in the 9% because that's kind of their average. Sure. Um, you know, it depends on what they have. You know, I'd still say 70% of the gyms that we put in have no humidification system at all. So that fi figures into that also. Hey, Wood Floor Pros. This is Kim Walgren, the longtime editor of Wood Floor Business, wanting to let you know that entries are open for our 2023 Truck and Van Contest. Is your work vehicle attention-getting, immaculate, highly unusual, or is it just a complete and utter disaster? We have categories for all of those, and the contest is free to enter. Just go to woodfloorbusiness.com and put Enter the 2023 Truck and Van Contest into the search bar for more information. That's it for now. Let's get back to Stephen's conversation with sports flooring experts Beth and Steve Stalker. If you have anything that gets by you or somebody, we had somebody drop some equipment on our stuff. Um, instead of removing the board, we actually did what I would call a Dutchman. But you can do like a veneer replacement or surgical kind of work yep. if there's some type. Is that is that something you do? You, so you can do a board. It's hard to do two boards next to each other yes. um, because there's nothing, there's no tongue and groove to hold it. Right. So we actually have a product made up for us that's five sixteenths. Um, we oh, then roll it to paint. Okay. Yep. So we make, you know, uh, we have nice thing is that we live in wood country, so we can get a lot of things made for us. So we'll have a veneer made for us, two and a quarter, inch and a half, two and a half, 
Um, the reason we have two and a half is because there is some maple that's two and a half inches wide and some that are two and three eighths. So we have those made and we basically, you know, um, router out the face of the board okay. and put a new face on. Um, and this ends up being pretty flat when nobody sees it. So when you get to that point and you get everything going, get the gym done, you get what is the expansion uh, end to end and side to side? What's your expansion that you typically have to leave? Depends on what the maple is. Like roughly, it's pretty um, so big though. Around right? the outside, we do inch and three quarter to two inches. Because you're putting down some type of cove base. Yep. Or Johnson. Yeah, the cove base is three inches wide. Is it steel or is it vinyl? You can do steel, um, which is out there. Okay. Um, we typically use the vinyl. And we typically use the vinyl. The black. Black thin cove base. All right. Well, listen, I'm lazy. So when they do the install, I, I always tell them, get two coats of whatever you've got. I want it you know, screened and vacuumed, intact and everything. I'll come in and do my lines. What are the first, are you involved in the coating system part of it too? You, your teams do the sanding. Yeah. What's the process to get it sealed? Where do the lines come in? And then how do you wrap it up? So we have done a lot of research on this um, and we're a little different. Um, you know, we have seen so much where the paint chips or the finished chips you know, from expansion, contraction, rolling lifts on it, heavy weights, things like that. Um, and, oh, probably about 15 years ago, we all of a sudden noticed that if we line after the first coat, because that's where the schedule fit in, we didn't have any of those issues. Hmm. So we actually go in, and it makes sense as we did a lot of testing on it. So we go in, we sand the floor down to 100 grits sandpaper, hmm. apply, if we're doing staining, we then water pop and apply the stain um, and then let that sit and dry. And then we put the first coat on. Then we come in and buff that um, every place but the stain with a hundred grit screen to get it smooth, to knock off what we call knocking off the fur of the wood. Sure. You know, um, then we start lining from there. The reason we line after the first coat is so that the paint gets into some of the grain and wood fibers. Okay. Then we allow that to sit four to five days we want the paint to cure yeah out. we want the paint to dry and 100 cure out used to be that paint dried from the bottom to the top just mm -hmm. like floor finishes now all products dry from top to bottom okay so you want that to be totally solid we then come in and prep all that paint um some if it's two inches by with a buffer and a what's called a yellow sand dollar mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. i use um Yep. So, and the key thing is that people don't know after two or three days, if you need to reprep the whole floor after lining, because it, you, a lot of people just go and prep the lines and not the rest of the floor. Well, the rest of the floor already started healing all the swirl marks and everything started healing. So you do have to prep the whole entire floor. So you buff that, um, hand buff all the letters, logos, borders, because if you don't, you get a big mess. Where everything blends in. I found the problem weird was the, the black lines are, yay, that was, look, they're so pretty. And then you do the white ones and the yellow ones, and you're like, I think we got to do these six times. <laughs> Somebody yeah, taught yeah. me a lesson. Yeah. They said, hey, do all the lighter ones gray, then put your color on. And yeah. we seem to have a lot more. You know, the only issue you end up with that is in our area is when the floor shrinks, you see the gray. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want that. This is the. Especially you underneath logos. I was working with a guy. That's what he does. He's a gym guy. He happens to work for his dad doing residential. But when he's busy, he's a, so he came to help me do local, you know, boys club because they don't right. have time for a pro. They just get somebody in if they know what they're doing. So we work together, 
and um, lining tape and everything. And he said, uh, listen, we have to wash this floor down. I go, oh, no, we just tacked it. He goes, you did the entire key in blue paint. You know what this floor is going to look like with water-based finish after we T-bar this? Everything outside of it is going to be a blue cloud, right? Right. Yep. It's all good. And How do you yeah, avoid so that? When especially blue, you got to go around you got to go wrong by on your hands with the towel, wet towel, and wipe it all up. Yeah, you can't Blue, vinyl, right? You red, purple. You can't vinyl a center key. I, I, I had a school did that. You could. I walked in. I pulled the poly. I, I pulled up the entire thing in the shape of the vinyl they put down. We had to there's, prep it. There's some new technology that's oh, still evolving okay. about doing that. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Some regions are working. It's working better than in other regions because of that expanding and contracting things. Beth, how do you scale out your art? Because your artwork is huge and it's artwork. It's not vinyl. How do you get that laid out so it's the font is where it needs to be and it's the right size and it's not falling off on you? Scale it all out? I do scale it all out with on the computer and then a vinyl cutter. And then I uh, apply the vinyl cutter, paint it, and then pull the, the mastic mask off. Do you do you grid it on the floor? Do you grid it, draw it out, and get gridding, or you just you snap lines? How do you keep that whole set? Is it one giant stencil, or is it letter, letter, letter? Yeah, it's it's one giant stencil, but then like uh, a center logo, it might be three or four pieces, maybe more. You get spell check with that. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> Sarah, have a problem with that? I've seen some spell check issues. issues with that. <laughs> I, anybody who's been in this business that doesn't have that line. <laughs> Absolutely right. I've seen it. it. Some people don't see it for quite a while, right? You're like, hey, right. Look, I think you had what it was a Z, not an S or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, we, what we've had is where um, you're doing a coach's name. Okay. And we had one in, you know, great school of ours that we do. We've seen it the four or five times in Quincy, Illinois. They're naming it. And they misspell the coach's name they oh, did they, yeah. they did <laughs> they didn't catch it for you did it right they did it wrong. we did it right but it's one of those names that we oh we should have caught this oh yeah. no you know so we had to come back in you know spent me and my wife spent three lovely days in quincy over a holiday break redoing it yeah but that's all right so you're you using know. you're you're in there then you get at it you're probably using the tape machines for the arcs and three pointers, et cetera. You know, we I was using um, chalk lines and et cetera to do the outer lines, this and that. And I, the gym company I started working with, they had a really, I don't remember the tape years. You could literally do an entire side court. Two people pull the tape, set a it like a chalk line, mm -hmm. but do not roll the tape. We'd have to step, step, step onto it to get it to stick flat. Then we had a kid come through and, and roll it all. Boy, did that save us a lot of time. You know, you could look down the other end of the court. I, I had this one I did, and ours looked perfect, and theirs was four feet wider. They, they found some old line. They weren't paying attention. I go, hey, does this look good to you? Yeah. We, you know, so we mark all the lines. Right. If it's an existing gym, just like everybody else. So you mark them. And we always, I especially, um, you know, as my, I was the worst painter in the world. Still am. <laughs> I hate pain. My dad says, you got size 13 feet, get out of here. Yeah. You know, and, um, but, you know, we always explain to our people, always relook everybody's work over. Yes. It's because easy to make it's mistakes. easy, especially when you have 12 doubles and singles badminton on the floor. Well, three volleyball, three basketball. And then we're all human. And, and you use the same blue tape. Yeah. Right. That happened and to us. And we looked back. I'm like, what do we, what? And that you explain this. There's a right away. 
these colors have a right away. Basketball yes. in order in you pick a ball, it better not be over the basketball court. Right. And when we first started back in the 80s, there wasn't even blue tape. It was all that uh, hand masking tape. It was really hard to see. You have to write in the corners, B for black. And <laughs> yeah. Where are we? I don't get it gets crazy. But then um, one can't travel. I know I had somebody say, you know, that we were working in an NCAA court. And they go, you know, if this is off by half inch, you and anybody calls them out on it, they could throw their whole season out. Like these have to be two spec perfectly. They, you know, we always tell people realistically, not, no lines are 100% 84 by 50. Nope. But, you know, you any, any, yeah. any construction site is a quarter inch plus or minus, you know, you can still get away with that. If, but you don't want to, you want yeah. to be precise because they will measure. Yeah. You know, we've had courts that are, you know, um, but, but we have one right now. They told us to put in regulation. We did, and they're like, "Oh no, we mean elementary regulation." What the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what we I said it's still fifty by eighty-four. No, it's not. It's yeah. forty-two by eighty-four. No, it's fifty by eighty-four. Mm-hmm. You know, so you you know, I had to show them that you know, high school's fifty by eighty-four or fifty by ninety-four. That's what a lot of people don't know. It can be ninety-four feet long. Right. Um, college is fifty by ninety-four. Pearls fifty by ninety-four. You know, and the three-point arc is totally different. Three-point is different. Right. And changing. And, and changing. You have to keep up with it because it oh, does change. That. Yeah. 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 You, uh, that brings a question up. Does anybody ever drag you into doing private courts? Yes. I do. I've done them. That I like doing. What's the number mm-hmm. one thing everybody wants on their private court? They don't care about anything else. Three-point three point line. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got 1,200 square feet. Put me on three-point. It don't work. <laughs> I had a guy who had to open his barn door to continue the three-point line. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> this, the guy was an NBA retired guy, and he bought a barn in New England, and he we put this beautiful floor in, and he, he didn't care as long as the three-point line was there. It was absolutely yeah. beautiful. That's good, though. So you get to do something. Like, it's probably a lot less pressure with something like that. Actually, no, because no. you're dealing with a homeowner who doesn't quite understand construction. Construction, and all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, some of them are pretty nice, um, but most cases, a lot of times when you're doing homes, you're not dealing with a guy who does a lot of gym floors. No, okay. for a construction c- contractor or for a owner, you know. And then you explain to the guy is if you're sawing while I'm coding, that sawdust is going to get into the finish. Is there a season? Is there is there a gym season? Hey, it's gym season. Woo! We (laughs) call it basically May fifteenth through September fifteenth in our area. Okay. After that, what do you do? We still do gym. Still do gym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially over the last few years, we just you know um, we've been fortunate enough to turn down quite a bit of work. So if they want us to be able to do it, they let us do it continuously through the year. Gymnasiums typically gloss. Because of the friction oh, coefficient, yeah. well, gloss, you know, is you know, we wish That's people just would, tradition. Well, I think yeah. they want shininess. They want to see it shine. Well, we talked to Mike Hoy at Canlac. We were talking about you know he said typically you'll get more tack out of a, a glossier floor. However, these big production you know gymnasium NCAA now they want these super mega shows and they want the floors to look really fantastic. And yet the gloss drives the camera people crazy. So now they're right. trying to get a satin that has a slip coefficient. Do you have to produce that a written slip coefficient? Like this is how well, sticky our if floor they, is. Well, you know, if you get enough people where they complain about the floor being slippery, 
You do. You do. Um, you know. And for MFMA, you need to use MFMA approved products. Okay. So. Yeah. And, you know, there was a, uh, don't know if I should mention anything. There was an MBA team that where they use a satin finish. And the players complained that it was extremely slippery. And if you listen to what they stated, why they thought it was slippery, because it looked like it was worn down. And it was a brand new floor. Brand new floor. And so, you know, and everybody, you know, I had a few people say, oh, it's because, you know, satin. Now it's not because of satin, it's because that their eyes saw it. The other thing that everybody, you know, there's always two sides to every coin. The other issue was, is that the night before they had had a carpet put on top of the floor and they didn't get a chance to clean it before the game started. Ooh. So that also causes static clean, which caused slipperiness. That's serious, too. I They tried to fly me out to your neck of the woods once. Um, Nike Air shoe was so popular that another company in my area tried to create a gel shoe. And it's they started cracking and blowing out all over gyms around the country. They couldn't get it clean. People were falling. This is NCAA. This was really yeah. ugly. And I had to go to their, their factory in Massachusetts, and we went into the lab and had to try everything we could to see how could we get this clean and move on from the It killed that entire shoe line, but they were having problems with people slipping and falling. It's a serious issue. When you're working in this, these type of projects and you get them all wrapped up like this, how many people from start to finish are you employing on like a, a particular gym project? Oh, boy. Probably on an average project, there'll be 20 different people on it. Because we, we do our projects a little different. We have people who, that their main job is to install. Okay. Then we have sanders. Then we have liners. Then we have coders. Then we have people who do base and threshold inserts. Do, do, what do you call the sanding units that they're driving? What's the name for those things? Talkies. Riders. Riders. Okay. So, but they're not like, hey, 60 grit, and now let's put 80 grit. Is it true that one drum is a different sandpaper than the other one? So, usually, you know, we start our sanding a little different because I'm old. Okay. Um, old school. Yeah. I am too. <laughs> um, <laughs> people from Norton said I'm old and crotchy, but it works. So, we actually start our sanders out at 30 grit. Okay. And we do that at a slight angle. The reason I use 30 grit is our people are able to move at it pretty steadily. Yes. You know, we don't want to sit there and grind. We want to keep the sanders moving so you're getting more levelness. We then go, and we do that also with our, you know, sanding a floor under 15 years old. Usually 30 grit takes it. Okay. Then we come back in with going straight with a 40 grit. The reason we do 40 grit, 40 grit actually takes some levels off wood faster. Right. Okay. Um. And then our guys will go 60 and 100. And they can do 60 on one side, 100 on the other. Okay, so it, that one machine has the two different. Is it really yep. just two big big pro sanders attached to a driving unit? Or it's not? Correct. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, two 12-inch machines. We use old American Clarks. Drums. You know, that I mean, are older, as, as old as I am. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're drums. They're not belt sanders. No, belt sanders have a hard time with athletic floors because of the speed. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. But do you have any problems? Well, see, with the substructure that you have, and you have sound deadening systems, I would think you're not going to be so likely to have chatter, wave, resonance. Everybody gets chatters. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody gets chatter. Chatter is in Maple. You know, hell yeah. Well, you got a lot of things. First of all, you got your shock absorption in the athletic floor. Right. You have voltage. 
are you know as everybody's got their air conditioner on that area you're not getting the proper voltage um you know there's you know so many different things that go into it you know we'll have maybe once a year one job that has chatter and the same machines but none of the rest have mm-hmm. um and i see it you know we get called up by people saying oh you know such and such has chatter okay we go on to look at it yep they have chatter you know what people don't understand if you go you let them play on it for about three months let the little kids get on it go on it then you come back and you screen and recode it and apply two new coats you don't see the chatter don't anymore no especially um, oil. Well, oil or water mm-hmm. um but you know anybody in this industry that doesn't say that does athletic floors say they never had chatter don't buy wine from them. <laughs> no, especially something that large and the, the, yeah. the chance for it. You know, there's so many it. aspects that cause chatter. The, now, is this a uh, considered a family business? Yes. It, just yeah. the two or you got, how many family people are involved in this thing? Well, they got us two. Okay. Yeah. Two of our sons, yeah. my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law. I have two nephews. Two nephews. Right. So... Um, people that have worked with me, you know, in the past for, you know, I mean, we got one going on right now over 30 years working for us. Wow. When, now you've been doing this, you've been doing this as a couple, we, was this, you were doing this before you were married and then right. Beth, they dragged you into this. And how long yeah. have you been doing this as a couple? Well, we have been married 36 years coming up, so about 38 years. About 38 years. Eight, eight, 1985 ish, six ish. 1984, 85. Yeah. That's us. Class 82, you guys? No, I'm 85. Oh, I'm older than you calling yourself old. The dinner the other night, somebody said, Steve's resume is written in stone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can still do better floors than you. So, yeah. so you've been doing this. Uh, long that time. long, and it is, and it's a family business. Are there is there are there challenges as a family business? Obviously, you got business to conduct, and you don't. You also have the personal aspect of it. Is it difficult? Are there different things? It is, but it's also great. Um, you know, um, my kids got to grow up with their grandpa doing it. Okay. You know, both my boys were on the job when they were babies, and we do mean babies. Babies. You know, um, and my daughter was the same, you know, um, my daughter used to go on the road with us all the time. So the kids, whenever we went and look at jobs, we used to have a station wagon with a play pen or play area in the back for the kids. Um, so it's a lot of fun things, a lot of good memories. Um, today, you know, back in the eighties, seventies, it wasn't that abnormal for kids to be on job sites, construction sites. No, sure. Now, if you have a kid that's 18, it's like, what, what, are you, what are they doing here? That's society. That's not, you know, society people, but we keep knocking the, you know, the generations, younger generations. younger generations, but it's not them. It's us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we have had quite a bit of youth working for us, the college kids, and we have been very blessed to have amazing people. They're all the same. You know, I fired a lot of people. You know, my dad said that when I was 16, I hired and fired. That was my job. Sure. I fired a lot of my friends. You know what? You know what's easy? Firing somebody. You know what the hard thing is? Hiring somebody. Well, back then it was easy to find a lot of people to work. Yeah. You know, but it was just like, you know, hey, you don't longer work here because of this reason. Um, you know, and it it is hard to, you know, we've been blessed 
Um, we have a lot of people who keep looking out. Now we're getting in kids of our ex-summer help employees. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that and, Yeah, which is great because they already know what we're looking for and how we're at. But their parents are like, you're going to go and do this because you need this. How wide a net do you cast? Like, how big is your area? Uh, mostly Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa. Wow. Well, that'll keep um, you busy. Who does the books? Do you guys have somebody do that? You come home. Yeah, we actually have the people who do our books. Perfect. Yeah. I do most of the bidding, you know. Um, Some scheduling. of it's family. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get, is, do you have to have the uh, trips with your clients to just get a vacation? Or do you actually plan to get away every now and then? Um, well, we're going to Vegas this week for a trade show, which ends up being, you know, we'll take a day for ourselves. Sure. Um, if you're running a business nowadays, there's no such thing getting away from it because, you know, we have um, a rule. The phone answers or rings, you answer it. Because if not, somebody else will. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to roll through your quick fire questions. And then uh, th here's the instructions, as I've been told them. I'm going to give you a question. I'll, I'll ping pong you back and forth. And you just give me the quickest, easiest, smoothest answer you can. And then uh, we will talk about how great we've done today. So here we go. Beth, you have any flooring pet peeves? Anything really bother you? Um, how people go react. ahead. How people react when she's on a job site. Yeah. Ouch. Um, all right, so if all right, let's do this. Uh, Steve, pick one. Would you rather sand and finish or install? But you can only pick one. Sand and finish every day of the week. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, Beth, you prefer sand finish or doing the artwork? Artwork. Each of you, if you weren't in the wood flooring industry, what do you think you'd be doing, Beth? Um, I would be writing knitting books. <laughs> Ooh, and what about you, Steve? Male dancer. There you go. All right. How about um, Beth? Favorite flooring tool? Can't live without it. Um, the taper. Steve? Hammer. All right. This is important. I'm going to start with Steve on this one. They're going to do the ABC Lifetime special about hardwood flooring people. It's your story. What actor plays you in this? Chris Farley. And Beth, who plays you in this? That was good, by the way. I don't like that. <laughs> Beth, Sandra Bullock? I don't yeah, know. Sandra Bullock. I'm seeing that. Uh, okay. So um, last question for each of you. I'll ask you both at the same time. In your, in, in your home, on your property, because we always ask the who has carpet question. I'm going to skip that for you guys. In your family, your driveway, your front yard, your street, you guys line anything? Got a basketball court that you lined? Or does it all stay on the courts at home? Something in your basement? You got lined somewhere? Nerf hoops? Something? Nope. Nope. None of that. No. At nope. the shop, we do. At the shop, we that, do. That, guilty. Guilty as charged. Well, listen, you guys have been fantastic. I'm going to let you roll. And uh, you've answered all the questions precisely. I'm jealous. I like what you guys. Can I come volunteer to work out with you guys someday? I'm a good. Sure. I'm a good liner. I'll bring my. Oh, I'll bring my we gear. We can always use an extra hand lining. Got my. Yeah. Own we got extra large poles. That's yeah. just for... <laughs> hey, I have the poles. You know what I use them for this summer? I did all my patios. I used all my rods for my um, gymnasium work because they're so perfectly pristine. Rolled everything out, got it all squared up, and I, I've never seen a better patio. So these skills <laughs> transfer. These skills yeah, definitely yeah. transfer. If Steve and I weren't this old, we'd be doing this forever. So, yeah. Listen, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, and we will talk again soon, I'm sure. All right. Thank let you. us know. I Thanks. will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Take care Bye. of yourselves. You too. All right. Bye bye.
You can find the article Beth wrote in the February-March 2023 issue of Wood Floor Business. Don't get the magazine? All wood flooring pros can subscribe for free. Just go to woodfloorbusiness.com and click on Magazine. You can also find all of our digital issues there too. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review it. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.